Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to this week's Pubisode. This week you join Mike, Tony, Mari and I as we enter the Gutenberger Grill and Tap House, where we dissect last week's episode, stop the presses, chat about how much of a bastard the medieval papacy was, discuss whether anachronisms and escape rooms ruin immersion, and briefly touch upon the likelihood of Jeff Bezos being trapped in an Egyptian tomb. So, here we are, sitting in the Gutenberger Grill and Tap House, where the steaks are pressed and the beers are printed. Uh, I didn't think I didn't think that went through. Uh, taking a quick break after our escape from Gutenberg's printing press to have a drink and chat about the room, what we just did. Uh, but first, it's my round, so who's drinking what? My name's Mari, and I am drinking something called Woodford Reserve, which is a type of whiskey bourbon. Um, for no other reason other than my partner is a big whiskey collector and I'd went, I'm doing a podcast, which one can I steal? And they were like, just take that one. <laughs> I was drinking this today. <laughs> How was it? It's pretty good. It's like a very American style of bourbon. So not like I'm live in Scotland, so I'm used to more Scottish whiskeys, but this is mm. very easy to drink. So it's lovely. Mm. I think I mentioned it last time that I'm, I've yet to find a whiskey or a bourbon that doesn't taste like poison in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you just lost your whiskey sponsorship as well. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Cross that off. Which is a shame because you've got the Brecon distillery, the Brecon, um, yeah, Brecon whiskey distillery just yeah. on the road from you. It's a waste and of opportunity. I'm not, not, I'm not built for anything like stronger than 15%. Yeah, but your cocktails are like Domestos with leftover <laughs> Sambu crossment. <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> Um, I was also drinking Woodford Reserve the weekend for me in town at John's. Oh, what drinkable. did you think about it? Compare notes. <laughs> I, I really, I find it a very, I'm not normally a, a bourbon fan. I find some bourbons a little bit bath tubby, but I found it very drinkable and smooth and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm Mike. Hello. Uh, and I am drinking a, uh, a lovely single malt and because I'm an animal, uh, I'm drinking it with uh, a little thing of uh, ginger ale because it's hot as balls uh, today and I've filled this glass full of ice. I'm having a cheeky mixer, but it's a Glen Scotia, which is a pretty smoky, pretty easy on the palate um, single malt. And I'm very much looking forward to finishing this off so I can tuck into my bottle of Ardmore, which is my Ooh. my little friend. Naughty. Um <laughs> I've, I remain, Tony, I'm currently drinking a glass of water. Uh, I did drink this alcohol-free Heineken earlier, which was okay, I guess. Um, there's a lot of really good alcohol-free stuff at the moment, but I have not had a chance to go to a big enough shop uh, recently to get any of it. And so it's just the, the only stuff I have in the house is the, the most bog-standard stuff possible. The one I'll recommend is Brooklyn breweries special effects oh, if you're looking oh, for a very low slash zero percent it's i think it's a 0.4 percent one it's very very good um very tasty quite it's surprisingly malty for what they describe as a hopped lager like hmm. the descriptions are very good but it is very tasty and that's been my kind of go-to for the last couple of months while i've been hmm. off the sauce i find punk af quite good um that's punk af's all right yeah yeah the brew dog ones are all are all like serviceable like de- yeah pretty decent better than uh the what what happens with most of these things is they either end up tasting weirdly sweet or they have a sort of odd chemically bitterness to yeah. them. Yeah. Like Bex yeah. Blue, which um, is just like a bottle of farts. But yeah, the 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 Brooklyn Brewery special effects one doesn't have a- any of that going on. Um so it's that's that's a big positive in my view. Like the Guinness Zero stuff just tastes like Guinness as well. Because Guinness is <laughs> Oh, the Guinness Zero stuff is amazing. Like that's probably mild the best these one. Days, for one. Is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um because Guinness has got such a mild, not boozy flavor anyway these mm. days. So it's kind of it's easier to replace, um, for sure. So yeah, there you go. Nice. That's that's what I'm learning at the moment. 
And I'm Jamie. I was Jamie last week. I'm Jamie this week. And this week I'm drinking, rather than expensive whiskey, I'm drinking home-brewed mead of my own design and concoction. Uh, hey. Juniper-flavoured mead that I made at the Y Valley Brewery back Ooh. in March. It's been steadily brewing away in my cupboard slash fridge. And uh, <laughs> the first taste test is is right now. So <laughs> I'm excited. It smells okay. Chocks away. It's quite strong. Stronger than I expected. Oh. But <laughs> it is nice. At I mean, half nine I did, on a Wednesday night. I, I <laughs> do now realise that I'm not a fan of the taste of juniper. Uh, oh, no. However, when it came to the choices of things to put in the mead, I got Skyrim blindness and thought, what's the most Skyrim-themed flavour I, I could put in this? Juniper. Long live the nods. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 actually quite nice. But yeah, I, I didn't test how strong this was. So who knows what's going to happen to me by the end of this recording? And it's a school night. I'm so. excited. That's <laughs> close. Yeah. Bon voyage, everybody. Uh, but yeah, the last time I tried to make mead, it turned to petrol. Or at least that's what it smelled like um, in my cupboard, and was undrinkable. Something went wrong. But luckily, thanks to having some professional help by going on a mead making course, this is actually quite palatable, if a little bit ring a ding ding. Do you feel empowered to make your own mead without the professionals being there now? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I should not be trusted near any kind of equipment that could oh, cause no. someone to either die or go blind because it's not going to happen. I was going to say, it's the start of a brilliant escape room adventure that you like make your own mead that's perfectly created to the like experience. <laughs> well, saying that, when I, when I went to the, the Y Valley Meadery, they were showing us all the different meads that they make and they had um, sort of a, a, be, like a, a sparkling berry mead. Um, it had a special Ooh. name. I can't remember what it, what it was called. It was delicious because I, obviously I bought it and drank it on this very podcast. But it had um, a really intricate design of a kraken on the front of the, the bottle. And I instantly think, that should be a fucking puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to have some sort of puzzle. So it's on my list to to contact Y Valley and be like, hey, so. Funded protection. The stuff, so projections. The stuff I do, let's make some babies. <laughs> Metaphorical. I, like, I liked it though. Yeah. Why is my server? Wash, wash, wash your yeah. mouth out. Yeah. I mean, I'm aiming for the rejection, so maybe that's what I should go with. Yeah, but that's the that's the rejection that gets delivered by the police, mate. That's, uh, yeah. Subject line: Let's make business babies. They just see how quickly they reject that bitch. Uh, spoiler warning for the rest of this episode. Uh, if you uh, didn't listen to, to last week's episode, please stop this recording right now. Listen to that and then come back or not. I'm not your dad. I don't give a shit what you do. We're going to be talking about the episode, what we did last week, where our intrepid puzzlers escaped from Johann Gutenberg's uh, printing press factory workshop, which you all did brilliantly, like three minutes to spare. And you made some wonderfully smutty news off the back. Mm. So well done, all of you. Pope smoke, just what I've always wanted. Now, now, do did any of you watch the uh, TV show The Borgias when it was on? No, no, I missed it. No, no, with with Jeremy Irons as as Rodrigo Borgia, aka Pope Alexander the Sixth, who was like, I, I mean, there's been a lot of like smutty popes, but he was sort of famously the smuttiest. It's very entertaining. I think they were supposed to make four seasons of it, and it got cancelled after three. Oh. And me, me, and my my very good friend Emily watched it when it was first on, and there are still lines that I quote from it now, ten or so years later, because it was so so funny. A lot of a lot of the time, Jeremy Irons would just go, "We are the Pope of Rome," and that's just <laughs> funny. 
I don't know why. That's just really funny. Um, and also the King of France would always say he's a pop of Rome instead of the, you know, he, that's how he would say Pope of Rome. And then there's also a bit with, do you remember Luke Pasqualino who played Freddy in Skins in the, the second generation of Skins? No. I know. Not no. Really he plays a stable boy who has an affair with the Pope's daughter, Lucrezia, um, who is married to one of the Medicis, I think. And she... Her marriage breaks down. She's married to this horrible guy. She's been having this affair with the stable boy. She decides to go back to Rome. So she's on her horse and she's about to leave. And, and she says to the stable boy, I shall write. And he says, but you know I cannot read. <laughs> and that's funny. <laughs> that's that's an unintentionally very funny kind of deadpan line. The delivery of it was really good. So, um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily recommend watching the Borgias, but like... If you've really got nothing better to do, it'll probably make you laugh. If that's it's a, on my flight good. tomorrow and that's the only thing to watch, oh, <laughs> exactly. And they, they do, there are, there is like quite a lot of like Pope smart, like Alexander the Sixth having sort of weird food orgies and stuff like that. There's a, there's a good amount of that in there. Maybe um, not plain appropriate then. <laughs> well, it depends on who you're sitting next Put to. Yeah. Phone, be fine. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? One time I was on a plane and they had one of those like chat boards so you could chat to anyone and they had like public oh, chat. Oh, and I was oh. on a flight with a group of English school children, about 40 of them, mm. all boys. Uh, <laughs> and it was oh, maybe no. the best. And it was also overnight. So their teachers had fallen asleep uh, and they were on the chat board. And I renamed oh my, my God. to be the Babadook. And I went into all it. <laughs> late into the early hours of the night. It was fantastic. I love it. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's making the best of a bad situation. I would say that. Yeah, that feels yeah. like you know, yeah. if you were going to role play the Babadook, then that's good. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. As far as yeah. far as I could see in my research, Eugene the Fourth, who is the the antagonist Ooh. of our episode, didn't do anything smutty as far as I could see. But he is a bit of a bastard, though. I did discover that. Um, Sounds about right. He um this did like this played an after I finished the, right in the script, but like, he issued a papal decree that prohibited people from enslaving the natives of the Canary Islands. You think okay. Decent, but only if they were Christian. Anybody who wasn't, um, fair game, twat. Uh, so there, right. there's, there's an argument to be had that he, that the things that he said paved the way for the mentality that justified the Atlantic slave trade like a, a, a century or so later. So, poor Eugene the Fourth, what a bell end is what I can say. I'm glad <laughs> you've written some salacious gossip about him and his mum. What a die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Really good room. Really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. Uh, typically solid and obviously tuned for having a, an experienced puzzler uh, with us, by which I mean that there were one or two bits of my brain just went, nope. <laughs> so Mario, Mario went, I think you'll find. It, actually, uh, <laughs> it was like it was like watching some sort of mechanical computer sort of slot into place and uh, oh. it out. But So did the room play out as you expected, apart from obviously us not looking through the pile of paper until right at the end? Yeah, I think you you did you did it in more or less the right order. Um, peel back the curtain for a little bit. I did forget to mention at the start that you needed to carve the symbol, uh, the custom symbol, to denote mm. that it was a coded message, and was f frantically trying to find a way to put it naturally <laughs> in the puzzle. Right, so, um, you did well. So if, yeah. you, if you'd asked for a hint. Um, when you found those elements, um, I would have had, I would have said. Um, but in doing so, yeah. you got the paper, you you knocked it over. And I, I quickly added the coded message uh, symbol bit to the top of the list of code words, because Johan was meant to say it at the beginning. Uh, but you were doing so well for the rest of it. Like, I don't need to do that. I'll just let them discover it on their own. That was, that was absolutely fine. I think I was worried 
that you would instantly get the um, the rack on the wall and the way that those letters are supposed to be placed in. So you place them in the, hor- uh, the horizontal grid mm. and then you read it in a zigzag. Um, it's called a rail fence cipher and it's been, it's been around. Oh, cool. around about this time as well. Um, yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh shit. Especially if we've got someone who like lives and breathes puzzles, she might know this. Uh, luckily... Mm. Um, Glad said, no idea. Beautifully executed. <laughs> what I hadn't banked on was having two thirds of the solvers knowing the periodic table by heart. That seemed to be a bit I, of a blind spot for me. I should have <laughs> should have twigged. Not entirely true. <laughs> Next time, yeah, just make I remember up some Tim weird alchemical yeah. ones. <laughs> I thought yeah, you'd yeah. made up that other one. I thought you'd made antimony, up sparkly debris. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The three things uh, that that make movable yeah. type is yeah, lead, tin, and antimony. Yeah, I had, a, I had a very fun session on Wikipedia research of this and just go and tease that out, make that into a puzzle. Thank you very much. I, w- I wonder why that is. I wonder, do they do they set with a particularly high, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, resolution? Like, can they they make very fine but very solid? I'd be interested to know. But I don't, I'm not asking this question to any of you. Right, <laughs> right. to uh, the Patreon. And why are yeah. those three things um, especially special? Are you yeah. a hand press smelter? Get in touch. Yeah, yeah, Are you yeah. that very yeah. large yeah. Venn diagram of people who listen to the Infinite Escape Room podcast and also smelt type? <laughs> Look, my, my sister, my sister has a degree in silversmithing. So what? Oh, what? Like, like, if she's asked, listening, yeah, jewelry, amazing jewelry design and silversmithing. So oh, I, I love that. She she may not know about this, but she she knows a lot of gemologists. She knows a lot of horologists because they were all in the same school at Birmingham. So there you go. That's a that's a community you didn't know existed. Horologist no. is a great. <laughs> Term for an occupation. This is is just, one, just one yeah, letter yeah, away yeah. from being someone who studies West Craven to the nth degree. Are you a horror? Just do a horror. 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 <laughs> Please stop drinking with me, sir. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> Any other history nuggets in there for us? Uh, uh, yeah, I have quite a few. Uh, I wanted to make sure this episode that I did something historical because um, I think that's when I having that contained framework. It has to be historically accurate to the period. That's mm. when it, it works better for me. If I'm a bit more loosey-goosey, my brain just goes off on a bit of a fart walk. Um, so the, the was the accent was the accent historically accurate? To the absolutely, period? yeah. Johann yeah, okay, is cool. from uh, well, Maine. He was born in Maine's where the Gazette was first printed as well, which right. is southwest Germany. Um, but in in the context of this, he was born in north southwest Germany, so it's fine. Okay. He, was in the, he was just in the northern <laughs> part of that town. And a West Country accent or Cornish accent didn't quite work with the type. Uh, it needed to be northern. Sure. Fuck it. <laughs> it, just, it almost needs to be like self-well to it, I don't know. <laughs> I'm Henry yeah. Bloody Gutenberg. <laughs> Henry fucking Gutenberg. Hello. <laughs> oh, no, it's me. all the same person, just with different um, trousers on. Mm. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Really got me, really got me smiling. The, um, that yeah. list of banned books uh, that you had, you got the, the Ottendorf cipher. Um, out of that, that's a legit thing. The Catholic Church, like, pretty much, maybe within a mm. century of the printing press being a thing and starting to distribute knowledge around uh, Europe and the known world at that time. Yeah, the pa- the papacy pretty much clamped down on that shit not long after that. Um, so there's yeah. a, a long list of stuff that they banned. Uh, in some cases, just the entire works of a certain author, um, mm. even up to like Les Miserables. The the book was banned by the Catholic Church for some fucking reason. Huh. I don't know, maybe it instigates people to think for themselves and overthrow the shackles of authority. <laughs> and it's funny, that's funny because it's got such a, like, the the most obvious religious figure in it is extremely sympathetic hmm. because the whole first section is all about, the, the whole first tome, uh, I guess you call it, is, is 
about him, about the priest. And, and you don't get that in stage adaptation, the film oh, adaptation. Uh. It, it, he's a sort of minor character, but there's a, there's quite a long chunk about him right at the beginning in his life before he meets Valjean. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. But I guess all the other stuff about like fuck authority yeah. and destroy the ancient order and all of that. Is <laughs> the Catholic Church is like, something mm, that yeah. we cannot make, we cannot make the old, by this. <laughs> make the old popes uncomfortable yeah. there. Well, like they mm. um, banned like the entire works of Sartre, Voltaire, who can't look loads of philosophers. Like Catholic Church was like, no, you are not allowed to think for yourself or think of anything else other than yeah. what we tell you. Like, and it was, it was going up until the 60s is when they stopped it. Like nineteen mm. sixties, it's ridiculous. That what they've had this? They just missed Da Vinci long. Code then. <laughs> oh, they would have shit. They would have loved that. <laughs> they they would love that just for that one. <laughs> but, well, they, I mean, it's it's an it's an interesting thing you you, you mentioned the sixties because I, I I the the printing press was one of the things that made the Reformation happen. Right? Yeah. Was was people being able to disseminate this stuff and also translations of the Bible. Right? Mm. Before the Tyndall version and then the King James, the the Bible wasn't in anything other than latin mm. um even though that wasn't the language it was written and it was written in liturgical hebrew and greek um and then in the 60s the catholic church went through this whole modernization thing the the second vatican council and part of that was that they translated the mass the church itself translated the mass into other languages because up until the 60s it was delivered in it was always delivered in latin and you yeah you got hmm. you got the um the note about the gold as well the au being the chemical signal mm-hmm. goes straight, straight off the bat, and the 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 line that said "give me lots of it" was a capital L to the in the the, the way yes. because oh. lots lot of how they weighed yeah. stuff apparently in oh, medieval yes, Germany. Of course, I didn't put yeah, all yeah, that, but that's lots. smart. Was the was the thrice and thrice again supposed to be three times three? Then uh, no, three not plus just three, three plus, three, plus three. three. I mean, if you'd done three times three because you had nine lots of gold, I probably would have given it to you. Yeah. Because you'd, you'd okay. worked it out either way, I wouldn't have been yeah, bastard yeah, yeah. about it. Um, yeah, and the, the gold, <laughs> the gold bits were there because um, Gutenberg had trained as a goldsmith before he got into this business, oh, and that's yeah, how right. he knew about the chemical compositions and Antimony. how they, they work and how to make good shit. Because he'd already trained in metallurgy as a, as a youngin. That's so cool. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> Love a Jamie good history. <laughs> yeah, I tried to make sure that all that. the the different like ciphers and puzzles were appropriate for the time period as well oh my god so like really? cipher the rail fence <laughs> cipher the the code book all those were being used around about that time um nice. or at least had been invented up until that point the even invisible ink would have was a potential for this puzzle um but i thought yeah yeah like, oh god uh, listeners of this podcast listeners <laughs> to podcasts gonna really struggle with the massive oscillation of kind of coherency and quality <laughs> Just <laughs> based on my last room, it was like, yeah. So even the code, like you know, the sequences and the the codes and the ciphers used were period appropriate. I'm like, so you're in this pyramid, and Alexa says, <laughs> Alexa says you've got to make Hester Blumenthal's bum explode. That's my next episode. <laughs> no, look, you've got that. You've got the clean stuff. You don't need any. <laughs> But they, they they can be quite a divide though with with people like me who want to try and keep things era appropriate. Um, mm. Like I, I it used to be from an immersion standpoint. I like to you know, so it's all nothing's like distracting you. Or why is there Morse code in this ancient Egyptian temple kind of thing? But I think from, like for, more for me, I think working within that restriction helps when building up these. Yeah. Rooms. Mm. I can find more creative ways to use these things. Um, because rather well, than just you know having carte blanche of any puzzle type you want and slapping it in, mm. but yeah, I know that some people don't give a shit. 
you know, you can mix and match puzzles and types, and that's fine. Well, Myra, where do you stand on that? Because you're obviously sort of puzzle creator um, yeah. extraordinaire. So, like, what's your, you know, do you find, A, do you work within, like, history? B, do you find, like, restrictions help in sort of, because you do, like, physical room, you do, like, everything when it comes to puzzle design. Yeah, tabletop games, physical rooms, all the above. Mm. Um, I think I kind of side with Jamie on this whole debate about, like, making things location-specific. There's a really interesting, um, I think it's just an essay online by a guy called Errol Alumia, who I mm. think you guys probably know, can probably mm. pronounce his name right. Love Errol. But he yeah. wrote this really good piece about, like, mimetic puzzles versus diegic puzzles. And I think it just comes down to this example that he always gives, and it's like, um, you could go into an escape room that's themed around a kitchen, and if it was one, and I'm forgetting which one, mimetic or diegic, if it's one of them, the key would be hidden inside a secret, uh, like, soup pot. And if it was the other, you would have to twist all of the soup pots to like a very specific angle to read a six-digit code. And the difference being that if this was your kitchen, you wouldn't hide the key to your like pantry in mm. this weird thing. You would just mm. put the key inside a pot. And it's like, it's not about like, there's no right or wrong. Like if you're a puzzle designer, especially I freelance. So quite often someone just comes to me and they're like, design it like this. And they will mm. decide which version of that they want. Mm. It's less about that. And it's more about like, whatever you pick, setting that up for the audience. And I think that's what you did very well, Jamie. Like, I expect this kind of historical, like, detail from you. And <laughs> like, I kind of anticipated that they would be real ciphers from the time because of who you are and how you, like, set up the puzzle. I look and at I the type, to be fair. Really well. <laughs> I, I, meet, exactly. I meet the profile of history nerd. <laughs> exactly. But there's no right or wrong answer. If you're designing a puzzle, it's about what your audience expects. Pretty much. So, yeah, I played a really mm. good room in the Netherlands recently and it was themed around dreams. So every single that was off the table, it was wacky, weird, mishmash of yeah. every single possible thing. Like not even shoehorned. It was beautifully done. But it was like, yeah, there you would get an Alexa in the ancient Egyptian mm. temple and be like, yes, this makes sense. I am immersed yeah. and I get it. <laughs> <sighs> this is great. Um, I mean, to, to be fair, with the, with the machinations of Heston fucking Blumenthal, like pulling the strings, I think all better off. Anything yeah, yeah, and anything yeah. is fair. Is Fair game. I think it's the tomb of Jeff, the tomb of Jeff Bezos. That's like <laughs> what it's going to be. I can't figure out how, but it will be. That's yeah. Tony, right? That room. Um, and then at the end, it's a rocket. Like, it's a rocket. Perfect. Likes rockets. Yeah. There's yeah. You are playing Elon bullshit. Musk, and you've got to dip into the tomb to recover. The- uh, can I not do that? <laughs> I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you got to finish like fucking that. Twitter on the way out. Oh as well. god. Yeah. Gonna play. Gonna um, play a meth. I'll just yeah. go in the corner and masturbate until I die. That's basically Elon's plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. Wow. I like, we, we, there, we, there's a clip for the episode. <laughs> just sniff that one out. Yeah. Interesting. We have. Like, we've Donald Trump has featured on this podcast. Elon Musk has featured oh, on this podcast. Lot. Yeah, um, yeah, we've not done Bezos yet. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg has, has been on the podcast. So yeah, Bezos is that. missing. We're gonna have to get him. Hello, out. Yeah. I'm Jeffrey Bloody Bezos. <laughs> <presumably>. <laughs> Tune in next week to hear Jeff Bezos yeah. escape for the doom. <laughs> the North is suspiciously full. <laughs> uh, I mentioned during the well, during the recording of the actual puzzle Pentiment, the game that came out earlier. This oh yeah, year. I don't know if have any of you heard about this game, but yeah, no. it's um it's a kind of like an old school point and click adventure mystery story that's set in a few different time periods in this town in Germany. And it's the the way that they use type, the way that they use scripting to show you who the characters are and what they know and that sort of thing. Like the printed word is a, a very major part of it. And a lot of it's set in a 
scriptorium uh, where where monks are copying texts and illuminating texts at the end of that kind of period of history where that was the only way that that text could be distributed. So there's a printer in the town, and it's it's a really really wonderful game, like really beautifully made, really interesting. Um, I I'm meaning to go back and play through it again because I think you can get depending on on what choices you make you can get very very different stories out of it but it's definitely worth a look um pentiment it, it's 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 really good i've i've seen good things i yeah I've, i think pc gamer did a really good write-up on it um yeah and there's another game that's kind of do you know the one uh, you might not know this is going to sound totally incoherent apologies <laughs> it's something like march to cavalry or something which uses old renaissance paintings as assets in a point and click adventure and it's very modern oh, right. python but also kind of weird and absurd and beautiful all at the same time um interesting the inspiration really for, for this episode um came from listening to a bunch of different history podcasts and weirdly like sometimes i listen to two different podcasts on the whole one's called a short history of which is sort of a bit mm. more serious one's called you're dead to me which is a bit more light-hearted yeah and laura loves that lucy worsley Oh, Lucy, we need to get her on. She's she's amazing. She's prime. Yeah, she's puzzle. a big puzzle enthusiast. She runs that TV show, Puzzling. I wonder um, how how do you know? Oh, the new one on Channel these, Five. Yeah. yeah. Please tell oh, us you're, more, on, you're on. You're on telly. You're on telly. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I was on telly. I applied to be on that show called Puzzling, and yeah, it was literally that. It was just like puzzle things, and she's the host, and it was so much fun. And I'm allowed to say this now. It's out. Like, I didn't do mm. very well, but that's okay, because I was just starstruck <laughs> by Lucy Worsley sitting, like, three metres away. That's pretty like, cool. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Is she tall or small? It was really fun. Huh? Is she tall or small? She's the same height as me, so pretty small. I'd maybe, like, five foot four, I would say. Ah. Yeah. You never know You never know how tall t- TV people are, so it was pretty true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they uh, might be standing like, on a box, or they might be crouching. Light. <laughs> mm. um, no, she didn't stand on a box, but she did, like, put a little, like, um, blanket on in between takes, which I thought was oh. quite I get it. I kind of want to yeah, go as well. We need, yeah, we'll, tr- we'll try and get her on. Another, another rejection to add to the list. We'll try and get her on. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah, offer her a blanket. Well, both of us Yeah. Oh my god! I'll get a tier. Exactly. I'll literally start making a tier blanket. Branded. Blanket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah. Weirdly, sometimes the two different podcasts end up aligning in the, the topics mm. they cover. So the huh. one was covering um, the the Renaissance and mentioned. Gutenberg and the printing press, just almost offhandedly. And then another one was talking about um, Henry VII and how he was uh, using um, the, the, the printing press quite a lot as part of his sort of ascension uh, to power. So it, I think just mm. the, those two separate ideas, listen to them within like a couple of hours of each other, just mm. version to one going, yes, printing press. Initially, I wanted to do something to do with countdown. Interesting. Where you get the, the letters out of a little hole in the wall, but it fell apart pretty quickly. I couldn't figure out how to make that work. <laughs> So I went with what I what I got. Um, I, I nice. believe uh, we are coming up to to last orders. The barman is giving us the side eye. So before we depart into the night, um, does anybody have any podcast recommendations they want to share with our lovely listeners? Uh, my partner has a podcast. Um, uh, his name is Sammy, and he has a history podcast, and that is called sipping time because they like to talk about whiskeys and I'm not so dissimilar from this kind of pub episode but rather than talk about puzzles they talk mm-hmm. about history and each series and each like um episode is like a very different obscure part of history so they did like two on archers they did one on british food like Ooh, cool. ages 
They did one on like Montreal's history. So oh, wow. really, it's just like whatever random topic they want to. And then they underpin it by saying, and this whiskey is da da da. Oh, I love that. Um, After our own heart. There's, a, there's an episode on Escape Rooms yeah. as well, which uh, yours truly. Nice. But I do something quite funny. I, we pretend it's not my the person I've been married to for five years. And I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love nice. it. Well, yeah, we'll put a link to the to that podcast in the show notes as well. Um, I think, yeah, they they sound like uh, people after our own heart. We should uh, we should combine forces, mm. make mm. some babies, business babies. Get smashed. <laughs> oh no! Um, is that isn't that that film with Alec, that animated film with Alec Baldwin as the voice of the baby? Oh shit! Yeah, boss That's baby. Boss baby. Yeah. He wears a suit though. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I have been listening to uh, Radio Four show called Add to Playlist. Ooh. which is it's kind of like a um musical chain reaction type thing where they have it's keris matthews uh and a guy called jeffrey boacci who's like a he was a teacher and now he does a lot of sort of education stuff about music and uh language um and they have two guests on who are like amazing virtuoso musical geniuses every every week and sometimes they have guests other guests on as well um and they each person picks a song that connects to the previous song in some way, but sometimes it will be like, oh yeah, this uses this particular, this uses a perfect fourth interval. Uh, and here's some other examples of that. And sometimes it will be like, oh yeah, this artist grew up in the slums of Brazil and this artist grew up in the slums of Beijing. Or like, like it could be quite abstract mm. and stuff like that. It's really interesting. Cool. Um, a, the, the RSS feed that they publish for the podcast is like balked and the episodes are out of order sometimes, but just look on BBC Sounds to see what the order is to if you start listening to an episode and you're like hang on a minute this wasn't the song they finished the last episode on <laughs> then that's probably because the rss feed is balked um but it's been it's been really fun it's kind of encouraged me to revisit the topic of music theory because i although those of you on this video call can see i have several very shiny about in this room um my and, music and, and you own a loot dog shit. you're the only person i know oh, that's not a loot it's a mandolin oh sorry <laughs> oh yeah um, you're very different <laughs> you absolute mug um it's uh, it's kind of got me. It's reminded me that I should probably like try and learn music theory mm. properly and understand what I'm doing, um, because that makes a lot of things easier. Uh, so that's been really fun. I've got a I've got a, a nice easy one. It's um, search engine. So PJ Vote, who used to be on Reply All, oh, yeah. which was for me, it was the absolute pinnacle of kind yeah. of that sort of that early wave of narrative. Uh, journalism in that sort of digital podcasty space it was brilliant it kind of went a bit wibbly in the two years approaching its demise particularly after Gimlet got bought by Spotify mm. um, but yeah he's got his own podcast now it's still with uh, uh, producer Truthy Primum Laney who's like she's anything she touches is just brilliant mm. and the two of them are just a fantastic combo they're really good listens he's a wonderful host they're really interesting stories they get really interesting and esoteric subjects and make you care about them in wonderful ways it's, it's just mm. a strong recommendation search engine is excellent and it's filled a reply all shaped hole in my soul and actually if you're interested in podcasting as a kind of as a medium I'd say listen to that and also listen to classic reply all as kind of like a, it's a real how to in how yeah. to structure something like something unbelievably banal or mundane and make it incredibly interesting. They could do an entire episode on the creamy bit in an Oreo and mm. they could do a six-part special on it and I would listen to the shit out of that. They just, yeah, they're amazing. There's su super tech support in the super tech oh, support episodes so of Reply All are my favourite thing where they someone comes in with like a just a really weird technical problem that no one's been able to solve yes. and then the hosts of Reply All just go after it like a dog with a bone. Yeah. 
Uh, and there's some really weird stuff that they've uncovered and all sorts of weird things about like how mobile cell networks work and how artwork is streamed to people's car radios in the US. Like, yes, I remember. Some proper weird subjects, yeah. yeah and Yes, yeah, Yes, No as well, good. where they had um, like, um, yeah, like yes, a, yes, no. a meme tweet. And it was yeah, like, okay, yeah. I now know way more than I ever thought I would about specific hockey mascots in the States. Yeah, 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 gritty, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. That reminds yes. me of the podcast Under Understood. Do you guys know that one? Oh, no, no. Very similar thing, under understood. And it's essentially they take weird problems that people have or things that can't be solved by Googling and they basically try and solve it. So the the episode that made yes. me go into it was in some of Jurassic Park, um, the, what's his name? Jeff. Jeff Goldblum. Name's He has a tattoo in some scenes and not other scenes. Ooh. And he doesn't have the tattoo in real life. And basically they were like, someone wrote in, they were like, I can't solve this. Like, what is this tattoo? And they go in the deep dive and they like, get on the phone to like Jeff like I don't like spoil it but they like really do amazing investigations on weird things and I listened to another one the other day and it was similar it was like US dialing codes like why Mm. does the theory was like oh it was the most populated cities have the shortest dialing codes on a rotary phone but then there's like Boston which is like 996 or something and it's Mm. like why is there an outlier and they really dig into it but obviously everyone who was around is like passed away many years ago so Really interesting, like investigations into similar things that you guys describe, ah. like deep dives. Oh, weird I love it! I love it so much. I'm searching, <laughs> but I can't find it. Ah! I've, I have already, uh, I have already now subscribed to it. I love it. That's how excited it's I am. Just why this under show. space understood. <laughs> if, if, in fact, it's a single. It, uh, looking at it here, it's oh, a single word. Single uh, word. Okay, yeah, yeah, just in case that helps, Mike. Yeah, thank um, you. Also, Jeff Goldblum, who we've established canonically from one of our previous episodes, is uh, is mm. full of cum, as Dom. Uh, Rightly pointed out. So that's that's huh. now stamped in Infinite Escape Room Law. Uh watch our previous episodes, get the disco boots. <laughs> troubling. Um deeply troubling. Uh yeah, this sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely. Well yeah, we'll put um links to all these these podcasts in the show notes, so please give them all a listen. And if you interact with, with the creators, tell them that we sent you because you know, we're cool and we want people to think that we're cool too. Uh, there's nothing cool. You scratch my back. <laughs> These guys are really cool. We got friends. I got friends. <laughs> uh, I, I do believe now. You go to a different school the, the, in Canada. The, the, bar, the barman is now signaling quite, quite forcefully for us to get, out, get the fuck out of his pub. Uh, yeah, he's called us an Uber. <laughs> but before we go, Mari, anything you want to plug? Anything you're currently working on? Anything that you're doing currently you want to share with the listeners? That's a really good question. I hadn't really thought about it, but I'll say a little bit anyway. So. Yeah, my name is Bean Mari and I am a game designer based here in the UK. I can also be found in places like The Escape Roomer, where I write about escape room reviews, or just marispaceship.com, which is my portfolio if anyone ever wants to work together. Nice. Um, is it a current current thing that's either been released or is up and coming that you can talk about? Well, at the moment I'm working on a game that's just gone on live on Kickstarter, but probably it will have just finished by the time this goes out, but that's called Body of Evidence, and it's mm. like a murder mystery themed around a big autopsy kind of experience, and that's with Mr. Nice. But I say the Kickstarter would have finished, we will have got put it on sale, and I was one of the lead designers on that, and I'm really proud of it, because it's kind of like a puzzle experience, but also a murder mystery and like a little bit of mishmash with lots of different things, so it's a bit different from your usual kind of like puzzle game, but I think... I think quite fun. Hopefully it'll go down well with puzzle enthusiasts like yourselves. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, we'll, um, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, either to the Kickstarter campaign or to the, the main website, um, depending on when, when this goes out. We'll take some, we'll take some flat iron stakes uh, as we leave, uh, but we'll see you next week where we're escaping from... 
the fucking Spanish Inquisition by the sounds of it. We love you lots, <laughs> and we'll see you next week on the Infinite Escape Room. Bye bye. Bye bye. We'll we'll stumble out into this very soggy, hot <laughs> evening. Just I'm so kind of, I just take Same. it into a public bath or something just to. I find a, p- a duck pond and just lay in it for a little bit. Yeah. I, just, I don't like I've been laminated. What's the temperature culture? down south where you guys are? Uh, it's too hot. here, it's been like 32, 33 yeah. in South London. So just, yeah, it's been same here. Spicy. Yeah. Just feed me kebab from the duck pond. It's fine. Just flick it in my, my, my open maw. I'll take it. 